0: On the fish on first base account, we've got Kevin, we've got Alex. I and of course, we'll hear from you guys later in the show. But first, we'll go week in review here. Go all the way back to the Astros series; feels a little long ago at this point. But started the week off with a win, uh, a surprising win, um uh, Marlins got up pretty early in that game, and uh, it was a game that didn't really feel like they should have been up. Framber Valdez went deep into the game, but as you heard there on play number two. Back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. That was an amazing game. But the rest of the series didn't quite go so well. Uh, five runs scored in each game of that series for the Marlins offense. That's going to kind of be something that we put a, an emphasis on later in this show. Just how much better the, the Marlins offense looks. It, it, it just It's really that simple. Uh, they got them together this week, minus yesterday, in the doubleheader but we'll go to kevin here uh you were there for some of that series just the the offensive boom talk about that and then you know what the challenges that miami's hitters face uh pitchers
1: face rather against that um Astros lineup i mean even though miami lost that third game 12 to 5 it kind of felt like each game was competitive to a certain degree when you look at that final game, Miami was just down by a run entering the seventh inning. Thankfully, I mean, unfortunately, Jorge Lopez blew the, you know, the Astros offense, kinda of got to him pretty quickly there. He blew the game out the, you know out of the water. They ended up losing twelve to, to five, I wanna say. But man, I mean, you look at that first game, Miami's offense was pretty damn good. Uh home runs by Jorge Soler, home runs by Luis Arise, Josh Bell, I think that was the back to back to back there, yeah. Solera Rise and Josh Bell went back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. That hasn't been done since, I want to say, 1998. If you go back to a regular season game, obviously, you could go back to 2020 when they did the when they had that game in Truist in Atlanta. in the preseason COVID stuff, they, they went back-to-back-to-back to back to back there. I think those are three interesting names. I know VR was one of them Far was another one. And I forgot the third name. But, I mean, you also have to give props to Fran Valdez who pitched... Uh, seven and two thirds. He still struck out four, walked one. He gave the Astros a lot of length there uh, for them. And then Braxton, for the most part, looked. It was like a weird start to a certain degree. Uh, only struck out one, walked two. I think he's only done this six other times in his career, if I if I remember that correctly. He pitched five innings. I mean, still shut out the Astros. And then he had Nardi, Jorge Lopez, Scott, Robertson, all giving you a lot of you know big time innings there in the pen. We'll get to David Robertson at some point. We'll have to talk about him. Uh, game two, I don't remember quite the, five, the, the final time. He was up 5-0 at some point in that game, and then they ended up just blowing the lead. They lost 6-5, to yes. That's the case. And then um, game three, just another tough one there, where um, Lizardo struggled. Another Hazel Lizardo game where he struggled. Uh, he mentioned post-game that he thinks it could be tipping pitches to a certain degree. It kind of looked like it. I know this was spoken about the start before the Astros that it could have been something um, that could be the case of tipping pitches. Maybe it was. I mean, the Astros hitters immediately got them scoring. I believe it was five runs from the get go, and Miami um, kind of was able to kind of bounce back there. But you know. Uh, they they lost that series and we'll get into the Dodgers one later. And that that was
0: the final game foul. they did
1: sort of come back just a little bit and then yeah they were down by just a run. blew they it all the way out. Yeah they were down by a run at some point I believe and or they may have tied it, but yeah. I believe they were down six and were... five and then yes uh, and then Lopez, Lopez Lopez in,
0: Lopez came in and yeah he gave up six runs. That that was the beginning of my bullpen fears throughout the week. Of course, didn't really have to deal with that Friday, but especially yesterday, it was a little shaky. But the, the main thing that's really been shaky as of late, is, to me, has been the rotation. We'll get to that in a minute, though. I think that's all that really needs to be said about the Astros series. They, they took a game from the Astros. They, they did lose the series, but they fought in all those games. There are just a couple little things that, you know, you can get together, uh, you, you can take that series So we'll move on to L.A. now real quick. Um, Very, very brief series. Three games in 24 hours. Uh, We had Isaac Zoot there uh, to cover that one. Um, Hope everyone that's in L.A. and in SoCal staying safe with that hurricane down there, tropical storm. Um, But going to the series real quick. Friday might have been the best overall performance we've seen from the Marlins all year. 11 runs. It, It was unfortunate to learn that Tony G., was injured, Um and he, his, his season might be over, but the long ball, when was the last time the Marlins hit that many home runs in a game?
2: I know that not put out there. Does someone have it on hand? Nope, I don't. Well, we know they hadn't done it all year, so this was certainly first yeah, yes. for this team. They'd only hit, I think, four in a game, maybe one other time <laughs> all season long, and they hit all those home runs within the first five innings or so, first four innings, so that, yeah, that was incredible. It was incredible. And and frankly, I did not watch any of those live because I was at the Yankees Red Sox game, which was just as lopsided and unentertaining for the home fans. But that's besides the point. Jacob's everybody from Jacob Stallings to obviously Solaire doing it twice. Yeah. I have to agree that that is on the short list of most like fulfilling wins of the year. I guess you could say that Sandy was not quite as dominant as he had been for most of this second half of the season. A lot of that has to do with the quality of the opponent that he was facing. Um, It is very hard to do anything more than that. And the fact that he at least went six innings to save the bullpen a little bit for what turned out to be that doubleheader on Saturday. Yeah, he did his part. There's, There's very little to nitpick about that one game that was, yeah, that really reinforced what exactly this team is capable of, at least against certain opponents. As you mentioned, the I think there's strong reason to believe that an injury contributed to why Gonsolin was so hittable. Um, usually when things go badly really for him, it's more so about a lack of control and getting behind in counts and putting runners on base. He did some of that, but whenever somebody allows that many home runs to that wide a variety of hitters. Yeah. It shows you that he's just, he was not a major league pitcher on that night and, and they took advantage of it. Correct. And you imagine
0: his best outings of the second half, most because quality of opponent, but his good buddy very next day, I mean, what an outing for him. Maybe one of the best uh, starting pitching outings anyone's had against the Dodgers all
2: year, albeit it was only did he go five innings or six innings? Six innings. Six innings, six innings. exactly six. 90 pitches. He faced, what, only two base runners allowed out of 20 batters yeah. faced. That was, that was incredible against many of the same hitters, of course, that Sandy had faced the previous night. And, um, I had mentioned this on our stream on, I guess, Thursday when we did it about how, even though I didn't think the Dodgers were an easy matchup for him, I thought it would be good for him to face more dangerous lefty hitters. And have to use his full pitch mix. He'd become so fastball slider dependent his last couple outings. And even before he got sent down, and this is a guy that has a great four pitch mix. So I didn't like to see him be so overly simplistic against that Dodgers team. It wasn't the key to why he was so good, but I'd love to see. There were occasional curveballs that he dropped in against the lefty hitters. I remember in particular to Max Muncie um, that really set up his other pitches. He used his changeup a little bit more effectively than he had as well. So he did, it, it did turn out to be very good for him. He used everything that he had. He got even better as the game went along. Extremely encouraging to know that no, they did not break him by sending him down to the minors. I saw that theory and that overreactions to it. It's not like they destroyed his confidence. It's not like his stuff dramatically had changed since getting sent down. It was just a somewhat of a coming back down to earth week for him prior to that, where he was he was not going to be a true frontline, like he, he's not going to pitch to a two ERA the rest of the year. That's just not realistic. The underlying stats, even before Get Sent Down, said so. Yeah, the realistic outcome, though, is that he has outings like this every three or four times out there, and that he is, at least on this team, he's a definitive top two guy right there with Sandy the rest of the way. So you need to cherish every outing you get from him. We don't know if he's actually going to be able to stay in this rotation the rest of the year and make six ending starts the rest of the year. The expectation is no. So every single outing, you need to cherish it, and you need to win it, which is what made that game so deflating because they did not win it, even though he did absolutely everything in his power to put them in a position to do so. Before
1: we get to crutching, because I know he has a rant set up. Yeah, that was a perfect setup to it, but sneak in quickly. Quickly. Okay, I I I do want to ask Eli, like the changeup. Like Eli's Eli, Yuri's not using this at all. He's not using a curveball more than the changeup. Like obviously, it mentioned that the sticky, you know, the sticky stuff on the ball, you know, a little hard to adjust to. Going to the big leagues to that, to the minor leagues to that, but like you know, it goes back down. He's used. I don't know how much he may have used it down there, but. You know, obviously no more sticky stuff down there, double A. Like, what else could it be that, you know, no no more use of the changeup, which up uh, to the point where he got called up the first time, that was arguably one of like his best pitches, maybe his best pitch. I,
2: and I do think long-term it is still going to be a really good pitch for him. It's, it's an inexact science the way that um, major league opponents are going to respond to it. I remember thinking that very clearly with Edward when he got called up the first time in 2021, he was known for his changeup. And he his changeup statistically was one of the worst in baseball late in the 2021 season. It was terrible. It got hit really hard. He couldn't put it, he could kind of, even when he put it where he wants to, he got bad results. It is still such a big gap between the minors and the majors that you don't, and especially in terms more so than anything else, in terms of how those hitters prepare for you. So everybody knows that he does potentially have a changeup. And really early on in his major league tenure, he kind of got scared away from using it. Yeah, it, but in this case, let's it's about fine using it 8% of the time. That's still something. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a little bit higher when he's fully comfortable with it and has good ways to use it. He didn't get to did get any whiffs on it. He got no swings and misses on it in this outing. So yeah, it still has work to do. And yeah, for the moment, it is, the, I guess, the weakest part of his arsenal. It is still important to use it anyway and give hitters something else to think about.
0: All right. this sets us up. Pretty well, Mister Alex Crutching usually comes in here, but tonight he specifically asked us if he could get off a good rant. We've had some amazing rants in here, particularly Alex Carver. He usually finds something to rant about every single day. And Romeo gave us an all-timer back during May when it looked like the season was absolutely falling apart. But Alex, man, the floor is yours. We talked about Robertson's struggles. Take us away. Thank you guys. Yeah, I'm surprised
3: Carver hasn't uh, come in yet with uh, his own thoughts, but. Uh... Yeah, I just talk about Robertson a little bit. And this isn't going to be anything nearly what uh, we heard with uh, Carver and Segura, because I actually don't think that Robertson's a bad pitcher. Uh, But I have been pretty disappointed with the three weeks that he's been in Miami. And, you know, part of what caused me to want to go on this rant was everyone talking yesterday about, you know, the offense should have scored more runs. It's not Robertson's fault. It's the offense's fault. Yes, the offense scoring two runs in 18 innings is very bad. It's not good. Uh, The offense botched it this weekend, and we'll talk more about it, I'm sure. But my issue is, you have to remember, Robertson was brought in for that moment. And I remember last year, my biggest thing with our bullpen was that they were constantly throwing in middle leverage guys that should be pitching like the 6th and 7th inning in the 8th and ninth inning. And Steve Okert was one of those guys, for example, right? Steve Okert was one of those guys who was constantly coming in the eighth inning in a tied game. And because the offense was so bad that every single game was a one-run game. And so I kind of felt bad for guys like Okert, for Tanner Scott, for Tommy Nance, because every time they came in, it was a high-leverage stop. And it feels like people are kind of doing the same thing to David Robertson now, which is ridiculous because the Marlins gave up, and I'm sure Carver will have something to say about this, the Marlins gave up two very good prospects to bring in a guy that is supposed to come in in a one-run game, in a one nothing game. That's kind of the job. And David Robertson even mentioned something to uh, Jessica Blaylock with Valley Sports. He said, yeah, we seem to have a lot of uh, one nothing games. I guess I got to get used to it. And I don't know if it's just semantics, but I really didn't like that answer. You do have to get used to it because that's who you are. Apparently, you're an uh, over-10-year veteran who took the Yankees to the World Series by Mariano Rivera. And so that is kind of your job. It doesn't matter if it's one nothing. It doesn't matter if it's 5-4. It doesn't matter if it's 30 to 29. Um, we, just because the offense kind of shipped the that this weekend doesn't mean that David Robertson should be left, uh, left off the hook. I don't care uh, what the score is. You know, again, I'm, I'm repeating myself. This is the last thing I'll say. Your job is to shut down a game that's one nothing. That's your whole thing. It's coming in in the most stressful situations and getting the job done. So I don't want to hear that the offense didn't do its job this weekend, because at the end of the day, the job of David Robertson is to, you know, say regardless of the score, I got to get the job done regardless.
0: That's all I got. I was expecting like a little more fiery, but no, that was more of a, an excuse oh, no, and, and a disagreement. That, it was, it was pretty good. I was expecting screaming. I think we've had too much of that and this, but, I also, that, he mentioned uh, what Robertson said in his post game yesterday. I did bring it up. Me personally, I also felt a little, not disrespected for myself, but I felt disrespected for Jessica, where I felt like David was a little disrespectful throughout that interview. kind of like mansplained a little bit, like that first minute, and kind of just disregarded what she had to say. Didn't really take responsibility for someone who is a veteran in this league and has been on World Series winning teams, played in a lot of big markets. I feel like. Should show a little bit more maturity. So I was disappointed, not just with the showing yesterday. Yeah, I I agree with the where, um, you know, you got, you got to put up runs, two runs in 18 innings is pitiful, but Robertson's behavior after the fact doesn't show me that I'm a little worried about his leadership qualities and a pretty tightly knit bullpen. That's a pretty tightly knit group. Um, I'd say guys like Tanner Scott and them have done a really good job of building a, a culture out there and kind of, Forming that this year, and something that was a lot that just was kind of non-existent last year. So, that's my two cents as as well, if anyone else wants to step in. No, and that's what I noticed, too, is he was kind of mansplayed.
3: And and I honestly don't know if it's just him uh, being rough around the edges because he's used to the New York media. He pitched for both the Mets and the Yankees throughout his career, and then also with uh, the Phillies. So, not only the New York media market, but also the Philly media market. So, maybe he's just rough around the edges, and he's you know, uh, I don't know what the term I'm looking for, but kind of uh, proactively uh, being that way because he assumes that maybe the media is not his friend here, the media here is pretty lax compared to what he's experienced. Um, so, you know, I, I think he'll learn that. But yeah, I think the last thing that I want to say that I, I don't know if I got my point across before was, yes, we'll talk about the offense, but his job as the closer, and I know he came in the eighth inning, so he wasn't technically the closer in this spot. But your job as the high leverage guy is to uh, perform well in whatever situation the team gives you. You know, sorry it was one nothing, but it's your job to get the job done no matter what situation the team puts you in.
1: That, I agree with what you said, and you know, I and we spoke about this. But it's the Dodgers, crutchick That lineup from top to bottom is probably arguably one of the best in baseball, maybe number two behind the Braves. That they were going to score a right run at some point. Also, and maybe um, if this was the only uh,
3: uh, blown save, or, or rather, I guess just blown lead that he's had since he's
1: been here, I, I wouldn't be feeling this way. But what is he now? Two and three? Like he's no, he's been he's totally, got two he's saves. Been, he's been really bad. He's been really bad. Regardless of how many he has, I'll check right now. But I know he hasn't been good. Well, even two of the saves, he two of his more
0: impressive saves, if you want to call it that, in Cincinnati. He allowed a runner in each of those, and he yes, really made the work out of it. He hasn't had a clean eighth or ninth inning, I believe, since he got to Miami. Well, yes. well his
3: first, he his first, first one was one the very three. first one, okay. And we thought three. we were watching the next Mariano Rivera, and lately it's looking uh, Fernando Rodriguez, ish Yeah, I knew you were
0: going to say. It. <laughs> I mean, for those who have been Marlins fans for a while, I don't want to say it's déjà vu, but. It, it's kind of that way a little bit, just a little
1: bit, for those who have watched the team for a while, and, and no, we're so there in
0: 2016.
1: Like You could have also – and I know what Skip was going with when, you know, obviously you want to go with this guy in this position. But to, to Crutch's point, they brought him into closed games, not to pitch in the eighth inning. They should have gone – and to a certain degree, you could have gone Tanner to set it up, followed by – david robertson that was the point and i know it was a matchup thing why they brought robertson before they wanted to, i believe it was like they wanted Scott to face freeman and mookie um like i don't know man i just didn't agree too much with robertson there in the eighth regardless sometimes it's more of like forget the matchup go with what you've gone with if it ain't broke don't fix it tanner scott has been amazing in the
3: eighth has been great all year why don't just keep it like that mm. yeah and, and uh skip has done that before i remember when aj puck was still technically the closer uh, they had
2: him go in the eighth and Tanner Scott
3: go in the ninth uh, against the Rockies because he said there was a very specific part of the order where if it came up, uh, he was going to put in uh, Puck instead. So I think that that's pretty much what happened over the weekend. Right, that's right. exactly what happened, yeah. But right, regardless of what inning you're pitching in, high leverage is high leverage. Yeah, I agree.
2: Right. All I'll say is the thinking behind that is the simplest way to explain what what Skip was saying, I don't know if he actually said this himself, is that Tanner Scott is the guy. Tanner Scott is the best reliever in this bullpen. And I think anybody who has watched this team would be on the same page about that, especially recently. Um, And Robertson is, is, in their opinion, you know, the number two guy. So even though in a lot of situations, they'd still have Robertson closing um, in this, in this particular situation where it was clear that the eighth inning had the bottom of the order, it had who was it? kike Hernandez. It had Austin Barnes who had to hit for himself, um, and ended up having the game tying bunt hit. That one one like bad moment in that ending that actually wasn't Robertson's fault. That was you got to give some credits to Barnes and have a little bit of an issue with Josh Bell in the way that he tried to do a little bit too much there. He just put it in the situation where it was the bottom of the order coming up in the eighth, which means Betts and Freeman in the ninth. And that's why he made that one-time switch of having Robertson face the easier assignment with with a couple like right-handed only guys in Barnes and and Hernandez in there and play that matchup. Um, Yeah, I didn't have a problem with the usage at all. It's just Robertson didn't get the job done. And again, I I do think that play and Josh Bell's role in that play that made it even the the lead. Robertson was going to give up the lead, but the fact that it also gave an extra ninety feet to two other base runners made it that much of a more stressful situation facing Mookie there and ultimately having the game winning hit. So this wasn't a hundred percent on Robertson. I will agree with everybody that um, his post game comments were discouraging. And the bottom line, I think this just reinforces though that Tanner Scott is the number one guy in this pen. And if you think that maybe the number one guy should close games predominantly moving forward, I'm not going to strongly disagree with that. I thought I felt, I felt um, but this one wasn't on skip to me. This one is on Robertson, um, a, a move that I think was pretty popular, including by myself. I thought he would be kind of one of the exceptions to the norm in terms of a reliever that would make a really significant positive impact on this team. But these guys are just really volatile. You just don't know over the span of a couple weeks what you're going to get from them. Um, even if his true talent is great, even though his experience level is kind of unparalleled among the relievers that were moved at the deadline. It's You just never know exactly what you're getting with a rental reliever, and they had to take a shot and do something. Um, I, There's still time for him to redeem himself. There's still a lot... There's more opportunities for him to pitch ahead of him than behind him since the deadline. Um, Yeah, so far, discouraging start.
1: The one thing I will say with the media thing, and I do agree, it was not the greatest comments that he made, but he's coming from New York where, geez, that was not a good situation in terms of just how many losses they were taking. And I know apparently... You know, everything was going well in the clubhouse. Maybe that was the case. Maybe it wasn't. But he's also coming from the Yankees, the, the Cubs, the Phillies, all huge markets, you know, for baseball and media. And, you know, just kind of, you know, this is the first time he's probably gone through those kind of struggles and um and that type of market. And I know this was mentioned, but, like, you know, just, yeah, you kind of give it a break. But at the same time, yeah, it was not the greatest responses. But kind of worth mentioning, oh, Carter's here. This is what I want to hear. Well, hold on. let me pile onto that real quick. I just
0: want to say, my Crutchy brought it up too that you know maybe he kind of just doesn't like media. He doesn't think the media are his friends because of those past situations. But when it comes to Miami media, not, I'm not gonna say soft, but I think they give the most positive coverage of like any team in the league because there's there's not a lot of outlets to cover this team for the most part. They're We're not there. the We're yeah, no we. All of our jobs are to report on the team. And the coverage is pretty positive, all things considered. I'd say your big three when it comes to covering this team are probably MLB.com, Miami Herald, and us. Like Our outlets are probably at most games, I would say. We're at every single home game. We've been on the road a lot this year. Jordan McPherson, he's a beast. He's at literally almost every game. MLB.com's got a presence. MLB.com and Miami Herald, they give really, really positive coverage to the team. And they both cover the team. In a very positive light which of course pros and cons to that but i like the way they cover the team and then us it's crazy to say but we might be the most negative outlet when it comes to covering the marlins
1: and you you don't see us absolutely bashing robertson we, we're, we're not we calling are, for him to get yeah. well we're the most negative uh long shot no offense
3: and, and i do want to say real quick for you uh, go again, great robertson's been fine with the media until that interview so i do want to make that clear like right. he's like, he, he's been great. We have spoken to him before, and he's been fine.
0: Just that one interview, I just left a bad taste right out. he exactly. seems like a great Maybe guy. Maybe it was it's his just, frustration, yeah. too. Maybe he took it out, because human emotions happen. We're all human. I just don't like the way that, that he handled it, given how long he's been doing it. Let's say a younger reliever like Scott went in there and, and blew up in front of the camera. Like, okay, guy's not really media trained yet. He hasn't been in the league that long. This is the first year that he's really been – under the limelight, so so to speak. I mean, he struggled last year, but no one was really like dying to go see Tanner Scott's thoughts post game. But this year, you know, he's kind of taken the reins as like the leader of, of this bullpen. I feel like Noah, if he wants to come in and speak, um, he can speak to that as well for just how plugged in he is on that. He's got his podcast, what a relief. But ultimately, yeah, like our, our point is, you know, none of us are really out to get Robertson. Um, I mean, we, I think we've all talked to him at this point. i talked to him. He, he seemed like a good guy, gave me a good interview. It's just bad situation. He had a bad outing. we got to be willing to, to forgive and, and move on. we spent a lot of time on this topic. So we'll, we'll go to one other thing that has been bothering me as of late, rotation. Earlier in the year, it seemed like Lazaro, Braxton, you know, all these guys were really dialing it in. Sandy was the one struggling. Now the roles have kind of flipped. Surprisingly, Yadier Perez has been the one consistency I feel like since his call up, and all of a sudden it feels like starting pitching has kind of done a decent amount to, to lose these games the past few days. So Alex Carver just joined. Uh, I, I know you, you pay more attention to the minor league side, but uh, w- w- what do you think could happen with
4: this bullpen, and you know what what it need to do to get together? Well, I agree with Eli that Tanner Scott's the best member in this bullpen. He's, he's definitely the the best pitcher in this bullpen. Uh, what he's done this year is. Spectacular, very, very good Um, as a two pitch pitcher, like we always talk about. um, You know, has a very, very good slider and can throw a 97 mile an hour fastball and doesn't have up to 100 actually and doesn't throw anything else. Um, But for him to, um, as we've, if you look into his, like deeper into his stats, his ability to get ahead in counts has really made the difference for him this year. Um, This guy should be closing games 100%. I know they brought Robertson in to do that job. I get it. Um, This last game that you were talking about. Um, where where he made those comments, which I, I do want to say something about that, but um, where he made those comments after the game, Skip was like, yeah, we wanted him to face certain batters, and we wanted Scott to face certain batters. That's fine. Um, I, I really don't put this on Skip at all. He had a plan for how he was going into this, and he tried to execute that plan, and Robertson screwed it up. So that's happens. It's baseball that happens. Um, guys aren't going to have their best stuff some days. Uh, what's the difference where Robertson would either come in and throw – pitches down the heart of the plate in the eighth or the ninth inning, I think that that game still was going to go in a bad direction. Um, so what I would say is that the most consistent member of this bullpen right now is not David Robertson. It is Tanner Scott, and Tanner Scott has done everything he needs to do to earn his way to close games. He should, be a, he should be the closer for the team going forward. What I want to say, and I know we you guys already talked about it, what I want to say about this, um, these comments from Robertson to the media after that game, I, I do want to say something about this. Totally unacceptable is is number one. Um, Let's talk about any other job. We've all had jobs in our life, right? We all have jobs now, right? A lot of us do. Many of us do. So we all have jobs. We all have bosses to answer, to. We all have things that that go wrong when when you do something wrong at work. You you screw up. You make a mistake, right? Same can be said for baseball. You make a mistake, you commit to improvement. For him to stand up in front of the media and say that there is nothing that he can do better, that there's nothing I can do better, they're just better than me, and there's nothing I can do better, and I'm going to be the same going forward – That is the worst attitude for any employee to have anywhere. Forget baseball. That is the worst attitude for any employee to have anywhere. Just not being willing to admit that you did something wrong and you need to do something better. As long as he said that, it would have been fine. Yeah, I didn't have my best stuff today. I I was struggling. You know, I was behind in counts. I wasn't spotting my pitches on my corners, because he wasn't. Uh, I was too over the plate. He was. None of that was present. Just that he didn't do anything wrong at all, and the team that he was facing was just better than him real bad and a really, really rough look for any employee to make. Forget baseball. Like I said, that is a very bad way to go about failing at your job saying that you didn't do anything wrong. Very disturbing. I hated that. Very, very passionate about that. You know, commit to improvement. Just say you're going to be better tomorrow. Like do something like that. None of that was said to the media that day. They asked him multiple questions. Hey, do you think it was this? Do you think it was that? No, they were just better. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. Horrible, real, real bad. Um, one of the lowlights of the Marlins season, and this is coming from a new acquisition. Whether that's because he came from New York or whatever, I don't. I don't care. Like that's it. it just can't happen. And very
1: unexcus inexcusable for that to happen from this veteran pitcher. Very disturbing. All right, sorry there. All right,
0: thank you for that. I do want to touch on this rotation, though, like I had asked. So I'll go at Eli in this one because I feel like he watches the starting pitchers closer than anyone. Starting pitchers have struggled. Kevin didn't mention earlier, you know, maybe Lazardo's tipping pitches. A couple long balls from Braxton. Upcoming series, which we'll get to more extensively here in a second. Cueto, Lazardo, Sandy. Just what's kind of been happening with the, the way that these pitchers have been allowing runs uh, over this last week or so?
2: I could say on an encouraging note. I think Braxton has strained himself out. Like he was he was just fine in his outing yesterday, and I think he was what he had that weird outing the time before, where he went five scoreless, even though he wasn't really striking anybody out. It I'm the big mystery is Lizardo. Um, yeah, with Cueto, Cueto is an interesting one where. Obviously he's been better than I feared, you know, I feared he was unplayable and it turns out that he is, you know, bad, but he's, he's usable. He at least eats innings and he's relatively efficient in doing so. He, there is a job for him to do for the moment on this team as when he is your like number five starter, then you're feeling good. The problem is that Lizardo has been the worst starter on the team for now the last few weeks. And it has, Gone to it's not it's not just poor performances. Now the one against the Astros was that particular inning was extremely concerning. But I think you have to in watching that back, it did seem that it was more so about the Astros just coming in really prepared. I don't know if it was him necessarily being a diminished version of himself. It just seemed like a team that planned against him perfectly and was able to take advantage of what he was going to throw in certain situations and were able to do damage against it accordingly um i still i have hope that he can work past it i don't think it's as simple as him being fatigued and not being able to like pitch anymore just because he's reached this innings number that he's never reached before i think it's a little bit more complex than that i think you would still just take it start by start with him but no doubt it's just been um this is it's been a new challenge for him in that way more so, less more so than the fatigue it's just the fact that he's had to pitch this often and that he has that opponents, a lot of the opponents that he's faced, he's now reaching a portion of the year where he's going to be facing some familiar opponents that he's already faced before earlier in the season. That's a new challenge that he's not accustomed to much whatsoever. Yeah. He's the big question here is Lizardo because they just don't have a great alternative to it. The most likely one would be Edward Cabrera who himself was at the time of him getting sent down, the issue was his bad control. And even though he's had some success in AAA, um, the control is still um, not solved. That did not magically fix things. And uh, yet to me, like once you get beyond him, it's Ryan Weathers, it's Brian Hoeing stretched out, it's trying to stretch out George Soriano. They've already made a decision. They're not going to do that. They just want to use him as a reliever. Then from there, you go to the non-40-man options. Um... This is not exactly a surprise that their rotation depth is a little sketchy beyond these five main guys. They knew that at the deadline, ultimately didn't pull the trigger on a deal that they liked at this moment. And that just means that whenever one guy goes through a, a rut like this, that Lizardo is going through, it really puts you in a very difficult position. I don't think I've seen suggestions about sending down Lizardo Um, I don't for a brief period of time at this point in the season, I don't think you can afford to do that because that's a minimum 15 days that he's out of it. And that's a big chunk of the rest of the season is 15 days and potentially three times through the rotation. I think at least one more start, they need to try to work through it and make adjustments over whatever went wrong these past few outings. Um, And if it's yet another poor performance, um, then you really look into the mirror and say that, you have to try something different, somebody different in that spot. Um, no doubt, the next time that he pitches is going to be highly scrutinized and extremely important to observe because the stuff is still there. The willingness to use his full pitch mix is still there. Um, but in particular, on his fastball, it is getting hit really hard, even when he is locating it fairly well. So it's a very ill-timed slump. Um, and it puts a whole lot of pressure on this lineup to be good every single night. And they went through a stretch just a few days ago where they put up big numbers four or five games in a row, um, and then we just saw again on Saturday that that's that even though this offense has improved, it's not going to carry them to the postseason. This is a team that they need all aspects of the team to be functioning well at the same time in order for them to get where they're going. As you said, yeah, the rotation at the moment is not quite, good enough one through five for them to get where they're going. And you had mentioned, you know, replacements
0: stuff, Eric Cabrera, Alex Carver McCall on you since you're the minor League guy. And Kevin, if you want to chime in too. What's he been like since his uh return to Jacksonville?
4: Good. He's actually been been super solid. Um I think he had like double digit strikeouts the other night. That this guy's been been pretty good um with with Jacksonville. Um, you know, it's 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 kind of puts me in that that mind frame of that this guy could be that that quad a player and it sucks to say that because they had high hopes for this guy um you know when they first got him and you know even through his injuries and stuff they always had high hopes for him he always always had a really good work ethic uh, is what i would say for edward cabrera um which is what kind of uh, you know puts him in a different conversation than other players i won't mention names but hey, he's always had a good work ethic he's always been able to come back from injuries pretty advantageously um but man, um, when, it, when it comes to the major leagues, um, things just fall off with the control and command. I mean, even with AAA, what I would say, Grant, even with AAA, is that it's a lot of, it's a lot more whiffs than stuff that's getting dotted up. And um, against major league hitters, they're going to be a little bit more patient and not swing and miss against so many pitches out of the zone. So in AAA, you can kind of get away with, you know, not having the best control and still get swings and misses. Whereas in the majors, um, you really need to have that control amplified and at least be a bit more closer to the zone than he has been so he still looked like the same pitcher in triple a he's just really amplifying the stats because he's facing hitters that are not as good as major league hitters that's the simple way to say it um but he's facing less advanced hitters uh, and he's getting away with control issues. But the control issues are still there, for sure. Um, I've seen catchers set up for him uh, well outside of where a pitch winds up. So um, those control issues are still there for Eddie. Uh, I really do think that this guy would benefit from a um, transition to the bullpen. That would be my I, – I still, I still will stick to that opinion that this guy is most usable and um, his most value can be gained from pitching yeah. back to the bullpen.
0: Yeah, yeah we do we good do start. Edward argument, like every single week of it, he should go to the bullpen. But I guess I'll ask you real quick. Um, you know, what kind of start would you want to see from him in terms of command and not just numbers? Just what type of outing would you like to see from him, both Carver and Kevin, um, say, hey, Everett
1: Cabrera is ready to go back? Like, this is a major league pitcher. to just pitched this game. Well, to start with, what you can't see, where he goes from a start where he only walks two, he walks two guys, strikes out ten, goes six innings, doesn't allow a run. I believe, yeah, that was the case. Only allowed one hit. And then he goes into his next start and allows five walks, two hits, seven, two, two strikeouts. I'm sorry. Two earned runs, seven hits. That's what you can't see from him. You kind of need to see like those back-to-back starts where he has those 10 strikeout games, not many walks, you know, one or two is fine. And he can give you some length. I mean, he, he was great against that start against uh, the Norfolk Tides. And he kind of sucked against the late Valley Iron Pigs, which that's the start where he's allowed the most walks in the minor leagues. Uh, five walks. You can't have that from Edward, kind of what Carver said. Um, just just command issues are still there, control. You can make the case, too, there. Um, I don't know if maybe it was Jorge Alfaro catching him or what's the case, but not, good, not a good start uh, against the, the Iron Pigs. And that was just, I believe, the week after he was named International Player of the Week. So our a National League Player of the Week. That's kind of like basically Triple A Pitcher of the Week. That's how they consider it. So we'll see. We need those two start. You know, we need a couple starts in a row where he kind of gives you, you know, he just shuts down the other team, doesn't walk many guys, gets to a decent amount of strikeouts. Obviously, you don't need ten every night, but you, you know, seven, six, seven would be nice. But obviously, you just wanted to to work on that command, and that's the big thing right now. Yeah, it's just it's just the control issues that permeate for this player, and we continue to
4: see it, and it sucks. But um, yeah, Kevin's right. I mean. One start, he gets 10 strikeouts and looks great, um, but again, he was throwing a lot of stuff out of the zone. He just got the whiffs, um, but then in this next start, guys were a little bit more patient and you see the walks come up, so yeah, it's it's control consistency um, that really needs to improve this
1: pitcher for me to buy back into him as a starter. I didn't even know he gave up five walks in his last start. I'm looking at this now, and you know, obviously, when you, when you originally look at Jacksonville posting like the final line, they obviously don't put the five walks in there. They just put, you know, like, oh, he only allowed two earned, and he struck out too. And I was like, Oh, that's not bad. Box score, bro. You gotta look at the box score to get that Yeah, it. then you look I, I didn't look at the box score. Now I'm looking at it, I'm like, Jesus Christ, he walked five.
2: And so hit did. a batter. There's a hit by pitch in there, and there's a yes. wild and there's a wild pitch in there. Yeah. 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 Control is just I mean, it's always been his thing. Honestly,
4: it's like literally like it's something that he's never been able to fully work out, is the control problems. It's it's been his main thing and it continues to be. Yes, I know there's in- Drees mixed in there, but it sucks to see it. But um, it's been his thing for a long time, and it just hasn't gotten
1: fixed. So, it sucks. I I would like to see him in the bullpen in shorter spins. He would be great for the bullpen when you think of it. Just give him, you know, one or two inning outings. Not too much in terms of length. More Not, not a long guy. But just give him, you know, kind of those high – a little bit of high leverage you could throw in there. It wouldn't hurt. Obviously, it's another great arm to add. You know, pretty good pitch mix. He not might be, be- – low what uh, what everyone thought
0: Sixto would end up being. Start him out as the start of a starter, but transition to the bullpen. Obviously, that guy's never touching Major League Baseball again. But I feel like Edward is closer to that route than Sixto ever was. Don't worry, he's throwing off the dry now, 84. Oh, 84. 84. They've stopped giving us updates about him and, and the injury report, haven't they? No,
1: they so did no. on the last one. They gave one did the they?
0: One. Really? Yeah, it they was said he'd throw
1: like a 30-pitch bullpen. I think that's the most he's thrown to be honest with you, so 30. That does um, not mean
0: he's coming back anytime soon. To the listeners. Yes, yeah, does not mean he's player. anywhere close.
3: Uh, Carver or Kevin, um, um, I I like the idea of uh, putting Cabrera to the bullpen for a couple months now, but how does moving them or moving him to the bullpen
1: solve the control issues though? It's probably like less time for it to slip away because there's times where Edward's on it, you know, and if you don't give him I guess long outings that won't kind of like deteriorate as you go i guess that's the good one
2: way to put it i don't think the move to the bullpen is about solving control issues it's about putting you in a role where control issues don't matter it's putting you in a role where you can walk a batter an inning and those but those runs might not score when you're on the mound because they're only pitching one inning at a time and you still induce a whole lot of soft contact if you go in that role and your stuff ticks up a little bit, then you get more swing and miss, more strikeouts, so more unproductive outs. It's not about fixing um, his delivery. It's about putting him in a situation where um, his flaws don't hurt the team, where he's able to have success in those shorter outings um, because he's he's able to air out the ball even more and because he's in those situations where you don't need to be efficient with your pitches. The huge issue with him, even when it's – but even when he's not allowing a ton of runs, it's the efficiency and the way that it totally drains the bullpen and the combination of both that and also his injury issues Um for whatever. That's why I, I always got really frustrated with the comps to Sandy because Sandy is so super naturally durable. Whereas Edward, this even goes back his whole professional career to the Miners, always having little cuts and, and bruises and injuries. Issues. It's the bliss, the blister issue too. it that in particular ever since it got called up from 2021, there were starts to get to leave early due to blisters due to a certain number of reps. And you know what, if you're only throwing 30 pitches in an outing or less, then that blister is not going to form on it. It forms because of repetition and the way that you throw your ball, throw, um, deliver grip and follow through on particular pitches. And that's less of a problem or perhaps not a problem at all. If you're only used in shorter stints, he would not be the first guy to go to the bullpen simply because of a blister issue. If, they have not solved it. They've tried for a couple of years, and as we've seen a couple of times this year, it's still not solved, unfortunately. Not everybody's hands are designed exactly the same way um, with him. So it's certainly moving forward in 2024 and beyond, I agree with Carver. That's probably his best role. I don't know if I'd trust him in that role down the stretch this year if he's just never been in that situation before. I think we have J.T. Chagua about to come off the I.L., we even have Tommy Nance about to come off the IL like those are guys that at least are experienced relievers that also have some swing and miss stuff so i don't know how much cabrera is going to help them the rest of this year unless they absolutely need him in the rotation unless they lose a starter or unless lizardo really can't figure it out um yeah i'm not counting on him down the stretch unfortunately another thing i would bring up about
4: the rotation grant really quick uh, maybe a question for for any of you guys. Um, are you guys at all worried about about Braxton's third time through the order? Um, because if you look at split stats, his his third time through the order is he gets beat up. So, um, what do you what do you guys think he has to do to improve in that facet? Because I think that's kind of what's holding him back a little bit. He's been great this year, but third time through the order, he's he's a little rough. I mean, Mookie got him in the second and third time through the order in his start. Um, so uh, his last start. So. Um, do you guys think that holds him back a lot? Because I, I think that that's one of the main facets of his game that he really needs to improve. Uh, I'll let the other guys answer this um, that in more
3: uh, detail, but I've noticed that that's an issue that it seems like almost the entire rotation has. Some of them have fixed that issue a little bit, but it seems like every guy in the rotation has had that third time through the order issue. So I wonder if it is Braxton or if it's just an entire uh, unit issue.
2: All I know is you know, we've seen Skip manage Braxton that way, um, being having him on that short leash the third time through the order. And early in the year, there was complaints about it because they're taking him out too soon and taking him out too soon. He's cruising. Um, but yeah, that's what the numbers show. Um, and a lot of pitchers have problems being effective that time through the game, and especially in these coming days as their bullpen gets closer to full strength. Um, I think they're in a situation where... They also, because of the off days that they've had recently and they have coming up, like I think he's going to continue to be managed that way. Going on top of that, the fact that he's now pitching innings that he hasn't pitched before in a single season as well, um, they want to make sure that he's still available to start games all the way through the end. So, that is, that's a great question moving forward in terms of assessing what his value is going to be to this team, how he fits in on the rotation depth chart moving forward in 2024. But for the rest of this year, I, I think that's you just, with that in mind, I think Braxton's going to be continue to be on that short leash, whether it's um, due to times through the order or simply a number of uh, like a general pitch count that they don't want him to go beyond. Um, Yeah, I think I'm fine with that. I don't want, I don't think we should uh, get greedy because he has already surpassed a lot of people's expectations in 2023. Um, Yeah, he's keep doing what he's doing. And I would give Skip permission to keep managing the way that he manages Braxton in terms of having him on that leash.
5: Yeah, I guess I'm just getting, like,
4: you know, what could they get out of this guy in the future? I mean, he's been great this year, but um, he's going to have to fix that if he hopes to become even more. Anyways, um, Shagwa, you talked about the bullpen getting back to full strength. Shagwa, he pitched, what was it, last night or the night before for Jupiter. Jeez, I know it's against single-A hitters, but, man, this slider looks nasty. They're going to like getting that guy back, because so I think he's good.
0: All right, we'll move ahead here. Went a little longer, but smaller. Today, so I don't anticipate as many questions. Although anyone who wants to ask questions can, we'll go week ahead here. Lighter a week on paper, on paper for the and Still, we'll have maybe some weather trouble this week in San Diego. I don't know. We'll have Isaac Zoot there. We're in a stretch right now where official first member's been at like pretty much almost every single game since mid July up until um, the end of this next home stand. So. Follow Isaac for his coverage there. Uh, Alex Travasse out there as well. Danny Alvarez is very good at what he does. But we'll talk. We'll go with San Diego here. Come back home against the Nationals. San Diego. Um, pitching lineup. Let's look at Cueto, Lozardo, Sandy. So another chance to see Sandy against a uh, West team. Lozardo All eyes on that start. And then Cueto takes on Blake Snell. I don't know who's pitching for San Diego those next two games. So I'll go to Kevin here. Big, big series. Wild card race has gotten tight. There's five teams competing for two spots now with San Francisco in the midst of a rougher stretch. Diamondbacks have brought themselves back into it. Cubs, the Reds, the Marlins. I mean, they're, they're all like basically the same team right now record-wise. So, emphasize the importance for me of, of this series and then go a little more in depth on it.
1: Man, this is its a huge series. Uh, when you look at just kind of the pitching matchups, Miami is probably the best you know, obviously loses, the pit, not loses, they, they have the better pitchers going in this series. I know Cueto goes tomorrow, apparently, Luzardo and then Alcantara. You, you go against Blake Snell, which is the best picture you'll see, but you also go against Rich Hill, Seth Lugo. Um, This is huge. I don't know if San Diego still finds himself in the playoff hunt, correct me if I'm wrong, but if they don't, if they do, this could be Miami's chance to kind of just officially knock them out of it. And, um... Man, um, you know, obviously, despite despite how underwhelming they've been this season in terms of the, the small success they've had, they still have Manny Machado, they still have Fernando Tatis, they still have Xander Bogarts. They still have a really good team. And their bullpen with Josh Hader, Robert Suarez, I want to say, is already healthy and good to go there. They have some guys in that bullpen. I mean, it's a really good team. Miami, I do think has a good chance to take take two out of three here, given just how much better Miami's pitching is when you look at it from side to side. Um, and then you will see Garrett Cooper again, so that's good news, I guess. Garrett Cooper maybe hits a walk off like we saw Farah do last year. Never know, we'll see. But yeah, this is a huge series, Grant. If you need a, if you need to take a series, it's this one. Um, obviously, when you look at just how the Dodgers' one played out, you kind of felt like, man, if they took two out of three on this one, now they're rolling. But uh, we'll see, and obviously, we'll see what the weather permits to, for Miami uh as as it was mentioned there's a i think it's hurricane hillary what it's called that's heading over the, to that california area area so that's why you kind of saw both games played yesterday in la and um an off day today i guess for teams to travel from one place to another miami i believe went by bus from what we were told so they are in san diego and uh we'll see if they play tomorrow um i guess you could say every game right now is pretty questionable we'll see if they reschedule those, but at the moment, yeah, Grant, this is a huge series. Really good San Diego team on paper, not too good on, you know, record wise. But uh, if there's a series throughout this whole road trip that I, you know, I kind of told myself they're probably going to take two out of three. It's this one, and it could kind of tell you where I'm going with my series prediction tomorrow.
2: And they sweep the series. I think that essentially knocks the Padres out of contention. That's well, the they're five games back of the Marlins, and there's a bunch of teams in between them as well. They are. Let me double check. Are they like tenth in the National League record-wise? They are way back there. Yeah. us see some quick math. You got three up top, three currently in it, and yep. then another three. So they're one game ahead of the Mets. Do I have that right? That's somehow possible. They're one game ahead of the Mets. You're the Padres, the mighty That's Padres. So. Yes, they are teetering. They are been playing uninspired the last couple of days. Right during this doubleheader, really deflating for them um even more so than it was for the Marlins. Yeah, they are they're not a great team on anything right now. In terms of they just have guys that have good career numbers in the first half of their lineup, but I've lost I've lost almost all respect for this team. Like the Marlins are a better team than the Padres are. And yeah, so it is really um a situation where if you sweep the series, you knock them you don't even have to think about them um, moving forward um at the same time that's not really a realistic expectation for any road series against anybody for a team that is, it does still have the ability that they have, but yeah, the Padres are, they have been really throughout the year. They are still on the short list of most disappointing teams in all of baseball. And I don't think they're a team that even internally feels a whole lot of confidence about them contending uh, the rest of the way. So yeah, take care of business against uh, this team at least two out of three. All
0: right, that being said, we're going to get into the best part here. Fan questions took us a little bit to get there, but then again, not a lot of you guys tonight. But first, let me pitch it. Anyways, despite the tough crowd, consider becoming a super subscriber, super follower, whatever you want to call it. Just $3 a month as a base. If you're feeling generous, you can always donate more. Most of our super subscribers do. It's all access to everything Fish on First. You get... Literally anything you could ever imagine. We'll start with the game notes for every single game, um, which is given to media. I call it the Marlins Bible. Always a useful tool to have. Um, access to giveaways. Um, we gave away tickets to spaces. So that, that's something you want to look into. Super subscriber priority for that. Um, see, or, yeah, Season predictions. for The series predictions for the season. Um, I believe I'm leading those right now. So um, while well, it's probably too late to compete this season There's a prize to win that next season so you can get a head start, uh, what else am I missing here? I feel like there's more privileges, uh, just all sorts of giveaways, opportunity to play in fantasy leagues with us. we got fantasy football season right around the corner, and Kevin and I are looking
2: to put together a dynasty league. Maybe we can give away some spots to that if you're committed. Yes, yeah, I've had some questions about what we're doing with fantasy football this year, so we need to decide that soon maybe by uh this coming hopefully tomorrow we'll have clarity as to what we're doing there but we'll set up a, yeah. another super subscriber uh privilege around that fantasy league situation another yeah other than that um the gift database access um I've, yes. I've created some really good ones since the trade deadline for sure all those for you to save and use for yourself and it's updated throughout the year and even during the off season as well so we'll come up with even more stuff as this uh, playoff chase winds down, and it is a year-long thing, we're going to come up with even more during the off-season to make it very much worth your three dollars, and even worth if you put in more than three dollars. We appreciate that as well. It allows you to tip pretty easily beyond the minimum. FishOnFirst.com. You'll see the page. Become a super subscriber in a couple easy steps. So yeah, sign up and just reach out if you have any trouble signing up as well. We've set some alternate payment arrangements as well just to make sure that if you want to support us we want to make it easy for you to do so of course the reason why we bring it up in these
0: spaces is because you get first priority to speak and state of the fish and get your question and when, in when the event where we have a guest with us like craig mish or in the off season i was thinking you know maybe we get a guest that's involved with the marlins player coach i don't know you would want to be there for that so we're going to bring in ryan uh, out who's, who's been a Super subscriber for a while. Like Eli said, it's on our website. Just go do it. Pretty easy process there. Got Ryan loading in. Of course, you don't have to be a super subscriber to speak in these spaces. If anyone can request, if you got a Marlins question or a baseball question, be first and foremost, are all baseball fans. We'll answer them all. We'll answer them all.
2: Ryan's still loading in. Was he there for you guys? He's there for me. No, not for me. But, yeah, I think we've learned that if there's <laughs> – yeah, he'll have to requests again. Oh. There, there he is. There he is. Second time oh, might be oh, the charm. Oh, hold on. I
0: brought, I brought in Cole. Cole, I dropped the gun on you, my man. Right? Oh, no, Cole, no, got all right like You know what? We got Cole here. Okay. You know what? We're, we're just going to let him go just, just because. Is Cole hey, – hey, he Yeah,
6: Yep, coming to live from Hurricane Hillary or Tropical Storm Hillary over in L.A. Got to watch uh, the Dodgers on Spectrum Sportsnet as opposed to MLB TV, so that was a change of pace. Uh, also just survived the hurricane that we just had over here. Uh, but anyway, my question uh, that I wanted to ask was, it's a bit of a delayed question from last week. I was unable to make that um, that session. But when we played the Yankees, kind of got my feelings a little bit about Stanton. So I guess one question is, if he continues his current pace, is Stanton going to be a Hall of Famer? I kind of feel like the answer is no. He's only 104 home runs away from 500 club, but I feel like just everything else you know, about his resume as it stands so far is pretty weak. Even like the Yankees want to move on from him, potentially in this offseason, if they can at all, um, so what say you guys?
2: I meant to put out an article before he came to town about his status, because this is the year where you can clearly see he's in the decline phase. It's not only about being hurt and being unavailable, but now that he's at a phase where he's an extremely one dimensional player, which obviously was not the case when they traded him. Um, so it's been a disappointing tenure for him by the crazy standards that he set for himself. Um, when coming to New York, but he'd been great for them in the postseason, and now we've reached a point where now the team is very doubtful to even make it to the postseason for him to show up his clutch gene. He answered today, he was hitting under 200. That is for a guy that we already know doesn't walk a ton, and um, even he hits a lot of homers, but very little other productive hits when they're not going over the wall. Like, he's he's a replacement level player at this stage with still four guaranteed years left on that deal. He's a Yankees might try to trade him. I mean, he still has a no trade clause. That still follows him to his new team. So he doesn't have to go anywhere unless he approves it. And his contract is so far underwater. Uh, Compare even as poorly off as the Marlins are with Avi Garcia right now. um, His his contract has a lot more value than Stanton's does just because of the length and the money attached to it. Um, I do want to remind people that the Marlins are still on the hook for $30 million that is owed to him on the back end of this deal. So that money comes due. The first of it in 2026, that'll be pretty interesting when he is one of the highest earning players on the Marlins payroll in a few years. When they're finally making good on that part of the trade. But to answer your question, I I think he's going to fall a little bit short. I I am um, because it's just the lack of availability to this point, and now he's reached a stage of his career where history tells you that players his size, like it can go pretty quickly and it doesn't it sometimes doesn't really come back. So even though I think he'll be better than this 2023 self moving forward, and he's going to get plenty of opportunities to play, whether it's with the Yankees or with another team for the near future. Um, yeah, it's going to be kind of depressing just to follow the chase to 500, um, which is such an arbitrary, amazing number, but I don't even think that's going to salvage things unless it's a really unlikely turnaround. So it's possible, but I would say he's, um, a very fringy Hall of Fame candidate.
1: is going to destroy me, but it may end up being like, uh, I'm not going to compare him to Gary Sheffield, but that situation where he's just short. And obviously
5: kind of what Eli said, he's kind of been deteriorating <laughs> in terms of his um, health,
1: where he's always injured. He can't run like he used to. It's not the stand we remember. So I think that's about, Eli put it in the, the best way. And, and, and I was surprised he never released you know, the stand article. Just got. I guess he never got around it.
0: Any other questions, my man?
1: Yeah, I do have a, a question. Like, if we assuming we can't make a trade for him
6: um, by the uh, in the off season, is it just time to straight up cut
0: Avi? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Probably. Yes. I don't think he's going to be on the roster opening day, twenty twenty four. Don't believe it. They're already cutting his play time, and people are so mad that he he does get any playing time. But he kind of him just a little bit. But yeah, they're they're not playing him like a guy who's on a fifty three million dollar contract. He's uh, I, I think he's gone before the
2: the calendar hits twenty twenty four. Yeah, it would be an interesting situation if they had like a conventional top prospect who is an outfielder at AAA right now. Um, that would push him for, like, you can make a case that they should get rid of him right now, that they really can't afford any of his empty at-bats at this stage of the season. Um, And I think Dane Myers just falls a little bit below that line. Like, I don't know if you can totally justify doing that, like getting rid of him just to bring up Myers, who was slumping himself before they sent him down. Uh, But if it was somebody like that, who you felt super-duper sure would be at least an average-ish corner outfielder, that's a big upgrade over what they're getting from Avi. You just look at the overall numbers. It's they're almost exactly the same on a rate basis as they were before his injury, which are almost the same as they were all of last year. So just yeah, immensely disappointing. I I also am relatively confident that they're going to suck it up and cut ties this offseason.
1: The one thing I will say is Avi's always you know, not obviously what he's doing on the field is not the greatest, but you know, he's been – he's always one of the first out there in early BP. He's always taking BP. You know, he's – hes guys, I'm pretty sure people in the clubhouse like him for the most part. So, I'll give him credit where credit's due. The guy's one of the hardest workers in that, in that 26-man roster. You can even argue the organization. Just sucks it hasn't, you know, worked out for him because when Miami brought him in, I mean, they thought they were bringing in a really good player. Or for the most part, you know, over-league average, gives you the homers, gives you, you know, a boost in the offense, unfortunately. Hasn't been the case, but he's a very hard worker. Yes, Avi is gone to answer that question. I mean, I really hope the
4: Marlins get into this, not only at the major league level, but also at the minor league level. I hope they get into this into this mindset of they got to start cutting bait, like guys that just don't work out. It happens. It happens in baseball. Guys just don't work out. Where there's money involved, though, that's where it's going to be harder for the Marlins to do it because – of their financial situation. But when you have a guy that's making the money that he is and taking up a spot, there's just no excuse for it. Um, You can also, I mean, without the money in the question at the minor league level, you can also see similar things happening where, you know, they see some value in guys, but they're not providing much and they're just still holding on to them. So there's also that. Um, So the overall ideology needs to be present here that when guys don't work out, that happens in baseball, you need to be able to move on from that. And hopefully we start seeing that shortly. Um, Hopefully we see that with, with Garcia, I mean, it sucks to say that because I like Abby Garcia, but it um, just hasn't worked out on the field for him. The only thing I will say, Kevin, from what you said before, um, if Gary Sheffield's a Hall, not a Hall of Famer, and yes, I know the Mitchell report, I yes, get that out of the way, yes, I know. Um, there's no possible way that Mike Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton, is a Hall of Famer. Uh, Sheffield was a much more complete player. Um you know, and it's, it's – it's the injury history for Stanton is just so, like, the laundry list of injuries. So I don't think Stanton is a Hall of Famer at all. Yes, he hits a lot of home runs, but I, I don't think he's even close to being a Hall of Famer at this point. All right. Any other questions, Cole? We got Ryan on deck. Uh, I mean, I do have a couple,
6: but if you want me to be polite, I'll be polite and jump off. But
0: uh, – we, we got time. If you got one more, go ahead. Just to uh, one more. Sure. I guess for a
6: fish-on-the-farm guy and hey, – to, uh, who else can answer this question? Uh, through This trade deadline, you know, we kind of like bemoan the lack of a good farm, at least in terms of talent that we can trade. So I'm just curious at this point in our farm system, how much is on Kim and Hurry, and how much is what percentage left over is you know the remnants of the sins of Jeter, Dembo,
4: and Hill. Sorry, I, I don't know if I understand this question. You're asking, um,
6: like, how, how much of the, of the, of the farm system uh, is made up of Kim's players that she's chosen and drafted, and how much is, like, left over from, you know, Denbo, Jeter, and Hill? Like, how um, much people are left from that? Yeah, like, guess, you're yeah, you're going to ballpark percentage it. Um,
1: Oh, I think almost everyone's gone, if I'm correct. Well, hmm. like staff, if you're talking about staff, I know DJ is still there, if you want to mention him. Well, what about the players is what I'm also saying. Oh, players, players, players. Uh, I think they're all gone. Well, like
6: uh, Vic, uh, the Mesa, Mesa, the younger Mesa bro is still there, though. Younger Mesa bro is still there. Um, I was thinking most of the AAA guys are.
1: Oh, okay. You're talking about minor leaguers. So from that yeah, era. Are. Oh, yeah. No. I, can't I mean i, I don't know about percentages right I, don't, I don't know if i
4: could give you like percentage of like here's who's still here from denbo era and here's who's not here anymore since they moved on from denbo what i can say is that ideology has definitely changed um in the in, in the minor league organization they've gone a lot more analytically driven uh, is what i would say they're like i remember going to fcl back then it was a gcl i remember going to gcl games a few years ago and there was like one or two people behind the plate. Now they have Trackman set up everywhere. They have Rep Soto set up everywhere. They're really, really looking at computer-generated information on these guys. There's a lot more analytically-driven conversations uh, surrounding minor league players. Like the, if you know Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium, you know that there's a tower behind home plate. That tower used to have maybe one or two people on it. Me and Kev did Noble Myers' first start. And Kev can tell you himself that there, that entire – like tower was full of people uh, with laptops and computers. So yeah. what I would say is, is they've gone a lot more analytically driven. The mindset around this organization has definitely changed since Danbo has left. Um, and that's because of things that are being done here by Hector and, you know, uh, Adrian on the international side and his entire staff. So or their, their entire staff, I should say. So um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a switch in mindset here um, towards more. So the modern development of players, versus the old-time development of players that Denville was still holding on to. Captain's camp is gone. That doesn't exist anymore, but I don't think... I mean, I think the, I thought that was cool, but um, I don't think... It was uh, all
1: right.
4: Was yeah, I don't think guys are struggling by not having that. So, um, it was cool. It was cool to see it. I mean, they got time around big league players, but those guys who earn the time around big league players in spring training are going to get that experience. So, um you know, it's it's still there. It's just not in the captain's camp format that Denbo had envisioned. Um, what I can what I can tell you overall, though, is that there's definitely a switch in mindset. Like I said, um, they're a lot more modernized now, um, and I think it's working out for the best um, because I, I really like what I'm seeing and hearing from a lot of people in this organization with how they're developing players now versus how they were doing it before. And I think you'll start to see that um, shortly. I mean, definitely continue to see it on the pitching side, but I think you've already started to see it on the offensive side as well, especially with some of the younger players in the organization. So I can't give you exact percentages on, like, guys that are still here versus guys that aren't, but I can tell you that the ideology is definitely different and for the better. Yeah, I
6: was just kind of talking about, like, the way, like, you could say Kim Foley owns the, arm, the farm system now in the way and the players that are there. Um but, but
1: thank you for the insight. But hey, man, we, we add, appreciate you speaking. Just to add on what Carver was saying, with the ju- just the things that they've added, I don't know if you mentioned this, Carver, but, you know, they, they made these new nice dugouts in the back where they're playing now. You also see all the cameras that they have set. So, you know, obviously when we get the footage, we get it from that, you know, from the sources in the organization, from the people that, you know, provided us footage. You know, that's the only reason why most of the time you see these minor leaguers, post that footage on the internet i don't th- i don't was that the case with dembo as well alex were there cameras you know kind of set up almost everywhere where you could have where you, you could see all this footage and receive footage i think that's the other thing i would want to ask you alex
4: yeah not nearly to this extent kevin i mean they did have you know trackman and Repsoto and stuff like that but they're looking into the data a lot more now and that's i mean from what we've seen out you know at, at those games and jupiter games as well there's people there as well where they're setting up these things like much much in advance of games actually starting, they're actually going out there and setting up multiple cameras, multiple different devices to use for tracking of these things. It's it's definitely um, definitely enhanced um, in recent years since since um, since certain moves have happened. So that's what I meant to say is that it's a lot more modernized approach to player development than it used to be, and I think you could start it. You can start at least to see you know, that start to pay off for for the Marlins. Um, you know, whether you like analytics or hate them, it's working. Um, I think it's working better than the approach that Denville had, uh, which was more of an old time approach, like I said. Um, and um, you know, recent moves that have been made. Um, you know, there's there's yeah, they're they're acquiring different players. They're 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 going after different types of skill sets. They're not going after guys that can only do one thing or have one tool. They're going after guys who they think can do multiple things um and that's because of the research that they've done in a much different way than they used to do it so um it's definitely different for sure uh from when i first started covering the org it's 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 way different um than it used to be um so it's a modernized approach um i don't understand a lot of it because i'm not in that position but um it's definitely modernized and it's a um
1: it's it's definitely cool to see that at least start to pay off that they're what they're doing is actually working it's correct me if I'm wrong. Still, no, it's no one has actually taken Denbo's spot yet, right? Yeah, um, they didn't hire for that
4: exact spot, like his exact title. Um, the guy in charge now, like the overall guy that's technically in charge of player development, would be Hector Crespo. Um yeah. but there's a lot of other people involved as well. But no, nobody took on Denbo's like exact title. So
1: you're right. That's probably more of a group effort right now.
0: All right, Ryan's here. Ryan, I apologize about the wait, man. Um, just go straight into it. Give us your questions.
7: Yeah, no problem, guys. Um, I have time, so I wanted to ask y'all first about um a player who I've recently actually randomly thought about. Um, and his name is Jordan Groshans. What's up with him? Is he just going to be one of those like players who's just like stuck in AAA because it doesn't seem like there's a spot. On- on the roster for him for a while. And like, he was one of the Blue Jays top prospects when we got him. And now it's just like, I haven't really paid too much attention to his stats because Edwards and, Edwards and uh, Amaya have, well, Amaya has been good to some extent and Edwards has been so good. Those have been the main focuses there. Um, But what's going on with the Groshans?
8: Um,
1: good question. Just, he's a quadruple A guy, honestly, uh, came up to the big leagues, had fairly good success and just hasn't been really good since you know defense was always an issue for him he was originally shortstop correct me if i'm wrong Just go third he was there now they played him at first uh he's been kind of moving between third and first they were trying i guess they were trying to get him a fit on the roster at some point but obviously uh, now you have josh bell you agree there you also have a third couple guys out there uh no real spot on for him on the roster and on top of that he's been struggling this season at the minor league level you know he still walks at a decent rate, at a pretty good rate for the most part. Doesn't strike out much, but still hitting under league average. I mean, he's hitting two forty one, gets on base at a decent clip. Uh, not much power from Groshans; only six homers on a year, which for him it's it's pretty impressive. I think it's the second most homers he's had in his major league, in his minor league career. Uh, just not that good of a ball player, to be honest. He's a great guy. You know we've spoken, i have spoken a lot through you know from spring training until now. He was. Big fan of Frank Brown, I can tell you that. Uh, he was very excited, but just hasn't been able to find much success at the at the minor league level. And that obviously blocked him to – he's kind of blocked right now and no real need to bring him up in the competitive stage that the Marlins are on. And we'll talk more about him on um,
5: the last episode I would think of the Marlins minor league Megapod we're doing on
2: Swimming Upstream. So yeah, you can listen to more on there. I'll, I'll just say that Kevin is being too kind. He is not a quadruple-A player. He's a triple-A player because he's not actually performing at <laughs> triple-A. He, he played at triple-A every day before they traded for him, then after, and now all of this year. You have a big chunk of data of him at triple-A, over 200 games, and he's hitting 253 with a 680 OPS. He's a well below average triple-A player. Um, on both sides of the ball as well, he they did still have some illusions about him being a shortstop at this time a year ago. Those have completely gone out the window. During the offseason, he put on weight in order to maximize his game power and make him exclusively a corner infielder, which is much less valuable on the defensive spectrum, and it has barely worked. As Kevin pointed out, a slightly higher home run rate this year than last year. Um, he's not blocked, he was has not been blocked this year, um, because they got terrible production from Gene Segura and Yuli Guriel for most of this year, unfortunately, has not really hit much either. Um, but Groshen's has not m- had them make a tough decision at all because he is not even an improvement over those guys based on what we've seen. The quality of contact is just not good enough. The ever since they acquired him, the athleticism really hasn't been there. It's been strange that he's just not quite the athlete. I thought he was hyped up to be coming up through the system in terms of either his agility as well, or just the one thing he does is he makes decent amount of contact, but the long story short, they have an interesting question to answer this off season about whether he should even be on the 40 man roster. Um, because the only thing going for him is that he's still relatively young. He's 23 turns 24 during the off season. It's not unheard of for players to make a leap at this age um, from where they currently are but uh, I just don't see a whole lot of viable major league tools here. Um, So yeah, the question isn't whether he's like a piece of their futures about whether he should even be organizational depth for them on the roster, whether he really justifies that spot having been surpassed by Xavier Edwards by Jacob Amaya. All those guys were in the same conversation entering the year. Um, Those three players. And it was kind of difficult to prioritize them. They're all kind of closely clustered as the season has gone on. It's been a crystal clear hierarchy that it's Edwards number one, Amaya number two and Groshan's a distant third in terms of what you can realistically count on them being in the near future as infielders for this team. All right.
4: Yeah. Other I mean, questions, I mean, sorry. sorry, Grant. The, uh, the Groshan thing is a little unfortunate. Um, I, I think I agree with you, Eli, like we talked about it on the show that will probably be out shortly. Um, but yeah, um, it's just so many ground balls. <laughs> this guy hits a lot of ground balls. Um, so what he's tried to do with the power, you know, put on some weight and stuff like that has kind of I think hurt him. Um, in terms of his ability to come by consistent plus contact. Um, I think he was doing okay the way that he was. Um, didn't want to come by more power and more contact, but you know, that can also go in a bad direction. So I, I don't know if that's worked out hundred percent how you would have liked just because of the amount of ground balls that he's hit. He's got the highest ground ball rate of his career right now. Um, so it's, it's a ton of ground balls, a ton of ground ball outs. And I would definitely as well put him like third in line in that group of infielders that the Marlins acquired here recently, but it sucks to see, um, I, 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 you know, that could be okay. He's got the positional flexibility that, you know, he could definitely still make somewhat of more of a, uh, a major league impact, but um yeah, the the changes that he's made that he's made recently have not really worked out. All right, Ryan, other questions.
7: Yeah, this is a pretty straight up question, but um we got the Dodgers soon coming up at home. Um is there any chance that the Marlins win that series because I I feel like at this point we got to win as many series as we can. So we can't just be uh, crossing off series on the rest of our schedule for the next uh, six weeks of the season or how many, however many weeks we have left and be saying that there's no chance the Marlins win this series. Like, What would they have to do right to win this series?
1: I think I will give you the Eli Sussan answer. I wouldn't look towards that series yet. I would look towards the next week of play, which is the Padres and the Nationals. So I would look at it, just focus on those teams first, and then we'll look at the Dodgers. Yeah. I was I thought Eli was gonna take
0: that from the top. I, mean, I know, right?
2: Eli tell tell them tell me. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, I think Kevin summed it up really well. That's still multiple weeks away, but no doubt that's gonna be very difficult. But at that time they'll have a couple extra roster spots to use from. Almost everything could be different between um now and then. Yeah, for the moment, the if you're gonna rank it, the very most important series at this stage of the season are, are against teams that they're directly competing against for a wild card spot. So yeah, Keep all the focus on the Padres for right now. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that as it gets a little bit closer. Uh, I guess the, the one thing to finally say is that this uh, they did outscore the Dodgers during the series. Even though they lost the series, they won the run differential battle. Um, so they didn't look entirely overmatched, as disappointing as the outcome was. All right, any other
7: questions? Um. What, what, what do you guys
1: think about Jorge Alfaro? Is he like a lock to be a September call up or what's going on with him? Locked to be a September call up. Uh, He's not locked to be a September call
0: up, Brian. No, he, I think the only way he reaches the team is if one of the two catchers either gets hurt or has like an over for 40 stretch and allows like five wild pitches to target. The Marlins didn't trade for a catcher at the deadline because they didn't want to mess up the chemistry. A lot of the batteries have really good chemistry. I mean, you know about Sandy and Stallings and all of them. I I get that Alfaro has experience with some of these guys, but the guys he has experience with also have their guys at this point. So I don't think it's going to happen. It was merely a depth signing, like in case of emergency type deal.
1: He's not a major league baseball player. He's just not. Like Eli said, they don't make that. Signing, unless they had some sort of idea to use him in the major league roster in September. Like, I think it was to maybe be a, a pinch hitting option late ball games, just have like that third catcher. I guess that would be one of the extra men in September. Like, I just don't see them making the signing for no reason. And to have them just triple what they had off now, they had PMAC. I don't know if it was a depth move because it's not much depth anyway. I, I think it is to, to see him in September at some point. I don't think he'll be the September call up, Ryan. But I think what, you know, Isaac kind of alluded to, yeah, you aren't wrong. He's a guy who's not only familiar with this organization, familiar with the pitching staff, but he has major league experience. But I, I do think right now that the two locks to be on the major league roster come September call-ups will be Xavier Edwards slash Troy Johnson, one of the two. or And um, I think Anthony Maldonado who will be another reliever. And I know Carver's really high on those guys. I believe we spoke about them both on the podcast, so. Again, another shameless plug, but just tune into that. You one. You guys spoke about every player in the organization, though. Let's be real. Almost yeah, I, I don't. I don't think Troy is a lock by any stretch at all. Like I don't think much. Troy's a lock either. But I mean, he's man, not. He's so I, I, think, I think Xavier. Yes, you could tell that they're putting you know his him short a little bit now. But yeah, it, it might be he and him and Alfaro, and then maybe with But we'll see. Uh-huh. I, I think he will.
4: I don't think Troy is a lock to be a September call-up. I think Troy is a lock to be added to
1: the 40-man roster before the Rule 5 draft. Pretty surprised well, he wasn't added to it last yes. season. I, um, let's worry about that once the season. So. All right, Ryan. Any other questions? Look, if we get going about Troy Johnson, we're going we're gonna to be here until like 1030. So listen to the podcast if you want to listen to Troy Johnson. I will say, I spoke to someone in the org today, and they told me that he's forcing their hand. So I'll keep it at that. It's good to know. That's good to know
7: yeah um, th- th- that's all I got um but um, yeah, I just think man Alfaro needs if the Marlins signed Alfaro, it was random. I, I feel like he needs to I feel like he'll eventually be on the major league team um at some point sooner than later because there's no point of having him in triple A if he's um but I guess we'll never know they'll have him as an insurance but um actually, I do have a question for Isaac. how how's the weather over there in California?
1: Very light rain. Uh, Apparently, according to my phone, there was an earthquake earlier today and apparently some flooding, but we've been just stuck in the hotel room all day long. Everybody's safe. Everyone's sound. Um, I'm glad. I think MLB was very smart in doing that doubleheader yesterday. No major league baseball games today on the West Coast, on California anyway. And it looks like the San Diego series will remain unaffected. That's the hope anyway. That's the optimistic hope. But, yeah, the weather's fine. It's not raining right now, actually. It's very very cloudy dark dim here in here in southern california so rare right we, we get the uh we get the hurricane they get an earthquake
5: we'll see what else we get
7: all right yeah i'm gonna head out now and i guess i'll throw the alley-oop to lmf and he
5: thank you and he misses the slam dunk no <laughs> um thanks ryan and thanks guys for having me uh, if i could just do three shameless plugs one I look forward to your minor league podcast. That sounds awesome, and uh, look forward to listening to it too. It looks like Peter Pratt is on here, and it's one twenty five a.m. in London right now. So Peter, I wanna, go to sleep. Want to give him a plug here because he needs nine more YouTube subscribers to hit one thousand for the Locked On Marlins pod or Locked On Marlins cast. So if uh, we could get nine more, that'd be awesome. And then. Uh, those are my two shameless. And then, of course, the one that means the most is go super subscribe so you can cut me in line to speak on this every Sunday for $3 Please. or more. So um, if you're ready, I may ask my questions. Go ahead. Cool. Um, if Alfaro comes up, and this is more of a joke question, will he play outfield again? Get out. No. <laughs> That's more of a joke. Rather um, play no. in there than Avi. Yeah, that's damn true, damn damn true. um
6: Well, that's the only position he can actually catch at because he can't catch the ball behind the plate. <laughs> it's uh,
5: okay. okay, guys. Let's yeah, we're true. not gonna attack. be that bad. Um, a few weeks ago, I guess most of you just answered those questions, but a few weeks ago, you you said ask later uh, when we get closer to September first. Who would be the call-ups? I'm guessing everyone does Xavier Edwards. as locked. You just said that Troy may not be a lock. Is there a pitcher who you can see forcing his way up to join the staff? I think Carver will tell you, but uh, Anthony Maldonado, I think
1: that's a likely one. He's been great for AAA this year. I know he's dealt with some injury, but when he's on the field, and he's been on the field for the most part, he's been really freaking good. So I'll go with Maldonado. Eli probably has another name he wants to shout out. Josh Simpson would be the other one I would mention, given he's already on the 40-man, so it would be a pretty easy call for the most part. But Mm -hmm. I would like
2: to go Maldonado over him. I'm just going to give you, well, first, I want to cut in to say we got Peter's subscriber number 992. That's Roberto Sanchez from listening to the stream. So, Peter, we'll expect a commission check from the first monetization payment you get from that channel because we're recruiting people for you. (laughs) I'm going to give the uh, unfortunate thing that, it, well, it depends on the injury situation. I, if there are no further pitching injuries, I don't think you get Maldonado or anybody of that ilk. I think it's JT Chagua and Tommy Nance. Those are your extra pieces in addition to who's currently on the roster on, on the pitching side. And uh, and then there's Edward. And then, of course, Edward. Edward Cabrera as well. I think between those three guys, um, three veterans, quote-unquote, I think they're all ahead of Maldonado in line for roles on this team. So I, I don't think you're going to see, I would bet against uh, Anthony Maldonado parents, barring some significant injuries down the stretch the rest of the season. I did forget those guys were out and
1: those are technically considered uh, September college.
8: Yeah. Good, good ones there. Yeah, I
4: mean, there's also, goes down. there's also Castano still around. Um, you know, there's still guys like that that are around, but man, um, if, if Maldonado didn't get injured, he would have been here a lot sooner than now. So I, I hope that that guy gets his chance, um, this year.
1: Um, probably, probably make the case that he'll, he'll probably go up over either Robert Garcia or, um, who's the other one? Sean Reynolds at the time. Robert Garcia is on the nationals. Yeah. Well, he was
6: saying yes. at the, at the, time, I mean, at the at time. though. Oh. Come on.
5: All right. I don't join these cool um if cole is still in here he had asked about the, the, the percentage of players of jeter uh versus kim uh it's it, as you guys said it's very hard to bring that to a number because there's so many players in our minor league or any minor league uh, farm system but just to give them a hint that uh there's only one first round pick of Derek jeter's left and that's max meyer um, throw some stats at him eric haas released by the tigers uh, is he a flyer at any point in the off season? even discuss bringing him to camp? No, okay And it's um, a quick answer. appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, regarding Edward Cabrera, uh, Eli, you kind of took uh, that out of my my uh, list about one of who could be called up because he should come back. Would the Marlins consider being that Erie's, let's say seven more starts? Uh, the way lazardo has been pitching, adding a sixth
2: man to the rotation. And that being Eddie, I hope they do. Yeah, I think that's a perfectly reasonable possibility that you see in September, especially once the, once you have an extra spot for potentially an extra pitcher on the roster. It's a lot more feasible. That's really the main thing holding it up, is that you simply don't have enough relievers to bridge the gaps between them for most of the regular season. I think it's a very distinct possibility for at least a portion of September um, once they get there, maybe they get creative and still have Sandy pitching every five days. And the other pitchers being part of that rotation, there that's like a a hybrid six man rotation where there are six starters, but Sandy pitches more frequently than uh, the other ones. Uh, Yeah. The thing that we talked about earlier with Edward on, on this show is that there's still not a ton of confidence that he's going to be effective down the stretch uh, the rest of the year where since he got sent down, he had one amazing start, he had one solid start, and he had one really bad start um, against A competition. You just don't know exactly. Uh, I wouldn't put a whole lot of expectation on him to be effective the rest of the way. As you point out, though, um, in terms with endings management being a pretty big priority for, for Yuri and for Lazardo, and also to a lesser extent to Braxton, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be on the table, I think.
5: Thank you. Um, Before I uh, pass the buck back, um, regarding the Dodger series, you know, our our pitching, starting pitching got wasted, but it was nice to see both starters go deep and have the strikeouts like uh, Perez did. Nothing but good things there. Hopefully we uh, take two of three against San Diego, if not sweep the way that they're planned. Be safe to all the California travelers uh, who are over there. Isaac, get home safe. We need you, buddy. And uh, everyone have a great night. Thank you for having me on it. Go super subscribe. Let's get louder. Cheers. Hey, thank you. Uh, Romeo should be next. He's loading in, I
0: believe. He's connecting for me. Let's play the
5: age-old game. What, what is he on your guys' screens? <laughs> he's not there. He's not there. He's, he's, guys,
2: he's, he's there for me. Him. I think we got him. No, he's not there for me. He's Isaac, what's your question?
1: Did they? You guys talk about Edward? It's already been 20 days since he's been down there. He had his
2: own own segment at the beginning of the show. Well, well, what he means is to clarify for the audience is that Cabrera, he's been 20 days since he's been optioned. He had one final minor league option that they were able to use. That's the reason they were able to send him down in the first place. And yeah, they don't call. It's now been, this is day 20. So if they don't call him back immediately, it burns the final option year. And that, more so it has a big impact on his trade value moving forward, where if they keep him down the rest of the year, and if he doesn't show a really encouraging signs the rest of the way, then this is a player that enters next year with no options, with a very uneven track record as a major league starter. Um, and he's that'd be in a really tough situation. So uh, it'll be curious to see if they perhaps bring him back up immediately, uh, for this padre series um which would be not necessarily deserved but in order to keep that option intact um moving forward for for their purposes so we will yeah we'll we'll find out but i think tomorrow would be the absolute only way that they can still keep that preserve that option for the future otherwise um it, it counts and otherwise it puts them in a really awkward situation for 2024
1: but isn't tomorrow day 21 i don't understand I guess if he's already on the way, they'll just no but because it has to be in the transactions log. It's not there yet. And if he, I don't know if this weird thing with you know the old game today affected it. I don't know. We'll see. If, he, if he's there tomorrow, they'll will definitely be an explanation. Yeah, I'll be the first to let you guys know. I'll I don't. Be club I, I do see room to really add him back, Isaac. Do you see room to add him back? I'm like, this yeah. Little yeah. Little of happen. course. You said you just sent Hoeing back down. Of course. Yeah. Good. We got to put him in the bullpen then, right? Not necessarily. There's you go six man rotation, just go a man down in the bullpen. And or you could get what you wanted. You have a time on the bullpen. But oh I, I would like to see him in the bullpen. I'm just saying, I don't know if the Marlins are fully committed to that yet.
4: We'll
3: They're
1: always um.
8: listening in my, yeah. They are always listening in they are always listening. go ahead now. I was gonna say you can just yeah, as I said, send down Hoeing. Even though Brian Hoing is well, I guess it was against the, the Astros. He pitched pretty good. They didn't give up a run, right? Like Brian is my guy. I'm not that's that's my guy. I like his walk up song, so that is my guy. He's been good, good bullpen arm. Um when he pitched, but only really one of his only like when they started going down when he started, but versus the Braves was his worst start. We gave up like five, but like beside before that start he was actually pretty good in that long release setup role, like starter thing that he was in. Eight innings. Um, I feel like that. You got a question
0: like, for Romeo tonight?
8: Uh, I was gonna. <laughs> that was hard. I mean, uh, I, nice. I like the explanation. just like, where, where's the question? Let me finish. Let me finish. What's I was gonna, gonna say talk. Alfaro, had, uh, when, when Edward Trebera catches, gets caught by Alfaro, they, he has like a six or seven ERA. Then the last two times that, he was, that Edward was down in Triple A, Santiago Chavez caught him and he only gave up three walks and what it was three walks in three games or two walks in, in two games. If I'm correct? I'm not saying that Santiago Chavez gets a good called up, but that is a name that it's that's that's why his last start looked kind of skewed. He was pitching pretty good and then out of nowhere it got it would it went downhill and the person that caught him was Jorge Alfaro and their stats well, together haven't been the best. I think you're, I think you're, you're being a little uh, too,
4: um, too favorable on Edward Cabrera. I mean, he has experience with Alfaro. Um, Alfaro's caught him before. He caught his big league debut, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not about the catcher. It's about the pitcher himself, and the pitcher himself has been very inconsistent with his control and command, no matter who is catching him. So yeah, he had a great, he had a decent start with Santi, like you said, or. Um, Austin Allen, or whoever's catching him, the guy can go in a, diff- in a different direction very quickly, and it's not because of the catcher that's catching him. It's because he's not great with consistency of his control. So it's not on the catcher. It's on Edward.
8: Yeah, and I was going to say, I, I, I'm, like, very opposed to this six-man rotation. I feel like if you're going to do it, like you guys said, make it a hybrid. Just let Sandy throw, and then the next day, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna end up having to throw him in there because, like you guys said, maybe they count this day as like, like they give him a day off, layoff before Edward comes back up. But you have, you have to find a way like, to just, 'cause that's never gonna work, especially, especially the way that Lazardo's been looking the last couple of starts. Was on like two or three that his fastball just has not been good, and he's just, it's just, he's gone back to that like twenty. 20, 20 that's what it looks like. Everything's getting hit hard, in well, in person. That's what it looks like. Everything's getting hit hard and everything. So.
1: Yeah, really quick, Romeo on the Edward Carver thing. He has thrown to six different catchers in his major league career, and he has allowed an on base, an opponent's on base percentage of above three twenty to each of them. So, like Alex Carver said, it's it's not the catcher. This guy just has a tough time throwing strikes right now. And I guess in earlier in his career as well, he did have that really fun twenty twenty-two stretch. But yeah, it's it's not the catcher. You can't put santiago Chavez in there and he's gonna you know, miraculously start slamming the zone the way Yuri did yesterday. So we'll see what they do with him.
8: Yeah. Yuri, Yuri that, that was so dominant. That was Yuri's best start of his young easy, major league. Easy, easily. And, and
6: just, they lost the game. Yeah. I about I'm earlier.
8: so opposed to that. I'm like I'm being dead dead serious with you guys. Like if you're gonna go out and trade for a closure, let him close. Like let him face the top of the lineup. Like I I honestly like they they he loses in the ninth. He loses it in the ninth. But like, don't let him don't go away from Scott, especially the way Scott looks like in the ninth inning. Like yeah, he's having a great season, but I, just, I I'm I'm just maybe that's me, and and that's. But
4: what's the difference?
1: What's the difference? The The guy loses the game in the eighth or loses the game in the ninth? He lost the game in the eighth. Because you get get, get to the ninth. My point is I failed to do my job. I didn't ask Skip what exactly the numbers were. It wasn't so much about which inning each of them were going to throw. It was about when Bookie and Freeman were going to hit. And they were going to hit in the ninth inning. Therefore, Tanner Scott was going to get the ninth inning. What I failed to do was ask him what the numbers were that they liked so much about Scott facing those guys because Robertson has pretty nice reverse splits, so Freeman would not scare me so much to face Robertson. So they, the fact, the one scary part is that Robertson faced like the middle of the bottom part of the order and he still got shelled. So I don't think facing Mookie and Robertson, right. yeah. So what what yeah, got so much face- better? But I, I still, you have such a large sample size of Tanner Scott pitching in the ninth that has not gone well. It's not that he earned the ninth inning; it's just I. And I'll ask him tomorrow, just what what. Were the numbers that made him like Scott facing those guys more than Robertson? I don't. I don't know what it is because they have better eyes. Scott's prone to walking a million guys. They're definitely not better at bats. So maybe you prefer the veteran Robertson who was just pitching the World Series last year. So, but I'll, I'll ask him. That's something you asked to skip pregame the next day. Obviously, there was no game today. So that's something like, and we didn't get a pregame for either game yesterday. So that's something I'll have to do tomorrow. tomorrow what? what?
4: Why not? Why not go with who's hot? Who's
1: hot right now is Tanner Scott and David Robertson. That's not really what you not. do, he goes, bro. You bring in.
4: Why, why not? Guy, why not? House,
8: we we did that last year. And and how that happened. That worked out? Let's okay, talk. don't tell me you just mentioned
4: Mariano
1: Rivera in the same conversation as, as David Robertson. Please tell well, me. No. Oh, dude, what I said I, is that he's been in the highest of leverage situations. He took over for Mariano Rivera. He pitched in the Yankees' closure situation. He okay. pitched for the Mets. He pitched for the Phillies in the World Series. He's been sure. I trust him in the ninth over Tanner Scott. Got it. Okay, so... After yesterday, you, you
4: have this have the same opinion that he's going to fail in the in the eighth against lesser advanced bats than Mookie Betts and and Freddie Freeman. You would be okay with just saying, "Okay, yeah, he's good for the ninth the rest of the year, no matter." i did we
0: get back to, get to this focus. conversation from an hour? Ago. We we talked about this an hour and a half ago, guys.
8: It's a We're, it's we reiterate a, the same shit every week. Like, can, can we stop? Please? Hey, don't say What can I say? Language, crank. I, I, guys. That's my apologies. I I joined late today. Uh, it going to answer say, the S- super S- subscriber questions, Grant. Come on, bro. I know, I know, but man, we, we do the same argument every week. Uh, <laughs> right, like I said, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. That's what I'm. Gonna, that's what I'm gonna end it on. If it's, it's worked, well, it worked against Cincinnati. It worked against Cincinnati, and it, I know Cincinnati's not the, not them. But you can't you can't just take him like it is. Just, just give him the highest leverage. You traded your two. Well, like the world shattered when you guys traded Ronald, Ronald Hernandez and and Marcos. Marcus Vargas Mar- uh so they, you just I for me you just let him let him lose the game in the night at that point just that that's my opinion you let your closure lose it like
2: I did with Puck I let Puck lose the game in the night yeah we're seeing a youtube comment from Demar Williams who said he loves the heated arguments here he doesn't think this is a bad thing he thinks this is good content
6: well we go at
0: each other, other as so in HR I hate you go at each other it happens but makes for good discussions, and it makes entertainment The show. If you're going to sit around and listen to us
4: talk about the Marlins for two hours, you got to have at least some entertainment, right? I can yeah, argue with that. I the fish about it on farm topic. Just, just bring up the topic and me and Isaac will probably argue about
1: it. I'm just saying that you take Isaac a fish on I... farm, dude, who gave up, you know, the team gave up. They're one of Carver's favorite two prospects in the entire system that they can't miss. They're not lottery tickets at all. They can't miss. The guy that they got in return for them you'd think they wanted to use him as what they brought him in for, which is to pitch the stupid ninth inning. So I don't know what your problem is. Okay, he, he screwed up against the Phillies. You use him in the ninth inning as you're closer. Not that it's a not. Can't like it I said, once I find out the numbers game. that made them so scared to put him against Freeman and Betts, then, okay, well, I'll report that and we'll
8: talk about it. But until then, I don't, I didn't understand that move. He also needs to change the glove color. His glove colors are done by the Mets. If you ever look at it, it's still the Met colors. It's orange, black, and dark blue. Yes,
1: yeah, so the players Bell still has a bag that has Cleveland on it. This is they—they uh, they don't. This is not what we are here about. He needs to change his attitude. Anyways, we can go on. All right, Romeo. Any other questions? We got
0: one more speaker in here. Parrish, who we want to get to? So, if you got any more, get them off real quick. I'm sorry
8: for having our, for you guys arguing. Look, Look it's like not your it. fault. People they like argue about argue everything. More. No, Romeo, it's not your fault. They argue about everything. All <laughs> we day love day. you, if, wrong day. Wrong. if you were not in our group good. chat, your
0: phone battery would be zapped. It would be gone. Since I joined Fish Off First Fish Strikes,
4: my phone battery is just zipped and gone. Grant, Grant, Literally how struggled. much of that is you um, just putting reactions on every text that everybody sends? Anyway, <laughs> oh. Okay,
3: let <but> not <laughs> <that. laughs> you
0: up here, please. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's ha-ha reaction is <laughs> <laughs> the
8: worst of them all. No,
1: <laughs> that's not
8: it. There's a reason okay.
0: why I do it. You'll, you just don't know why. He knows why he doesn't he, does, why does he, he knows do? why hey, guys, guys 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 please all right, not first. bring the inside jokes outside uh, the, if I want to we will alright Parrish you're here man you're going to round this out here last question the uh, floor is yours man hey I
3: appreciate everything y'all do for you know us Marlins fans I definitely me personally I appreciate all the minor league content y'all put out especially with Noble Meyer. you know I enjoyed those YouTube videos uh, really my question is, uh, with these last couple series we've been in with, you know, some of these top teams, and obviously like the Jekyll and Hyde performance as far as with the bats and maybe some of the costly errors, I guess really what I'm asking is can we clean that up going into, you know, September and possibly October if we crack this wild card spot? Or is it something that we would have to – clean up in the offseason if it, you know, hinders us from getting into the wild card.
2: What I will say when it comes to the bats is when this team plays its best nine man combination, which would be Arise, Solaire, Jazz, DLC, Jesus, Birdie, Fortes, Bell, and Berger. I think I got all nine there. It's a nice offensive team. And I think if you see that group playing together in once you get to the postseason, you don't worry very much about platoons and resting guys. So once they play the very most important games, as long as they ride with those nine guys as often as possible, um, instead of giving token at-bats to Avi Garcia or um, or Yuli Gurriel, guys like that, or Joey Wendell, I think when they have all those guys together, there's, there's a lot of promise there, and I think that group does have a pretty high floor where you're not going to see very often those guys get shut out or even held to a single run when they're all playing together because it's a good combination of power and from both sides of the plate as well as plate discipline, and you have a couple plus-plus runners there between Jazz and Birdie, assuming they at least one of them gets on base and wreaks havoc that way. So I will say with the offense, that's something that I'm relatively confident in yeah, really, the, the guy that's been underperforming most of all as a hitter recently has been a rise, and that's the guy that I feel safest about bouncing back. And as long as he is able to have a relatively decent finish to the year where he's just playing his own game and not worrying so much about lifting the ball and driving the ball as he has been recently, um, Yeah, the offense, for one, I think they did a really great job at addressing that, bringing complementary pieces that they could actually afford um, I think they're in a decent spot, at least from that aspect, the rest of the way.
8: Any other questions, my man? Uh, no, nah, you, you guys are great. Love the banter between you guys. You know, keep up the great work. Hey, the last appreciate thing I'll,
4: the last thing I'll say is that if you like the minor league content, which I'm glad that you do, I appreciate that. Um, I'll be out tomorrow. For the first career start of second round draft pick, Thomas White, or what well, was, yeah, comp round draft pick, sorry, of Thomas White. So if you like the minor league coverage, uh, I'll have some stuff for you then.
1: Yummy. All right. Hey, I think I'll do it. I didn't realize people like this argument
0: so much. I'm, I'm going to keep that in mind for next week. got not 100% sure. What we're going to do next week, show time. I got uh, personal stuff going on next week, going back to college. But uh, we'll still have a show Sunday. No matter what, uh, I can guarantee that for you guys. Big week coming up. Padres, Nationals on the docket. Eli, for Kev, for Isaac, Zook, for Noah, all our speakers and myself. Thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, make sure you're tuning in to All Fish on First, Fish on the Farm, Contact, whatever, and we'll see you uh, next week.